Welcome to the 24th day of spring. We're glad you're here. Take out your Bibles. We're going to be in Luke chapter 19. Luke chapter 19, party at Zach's house. If anybody uh, needs a Bible, I want to encourage you to bring a Bible, grab a Bible on the way in. If anybody needs a Bible, just slip up your hand and we've got some guys that will be glad to hand out one to you. Slip up your hand if you'd like to find Luke chapter 19. Thank you, guys. Matthew, Mark, Luke, third book in the New Testament. For 31 years, Zeke the turtle lived securely in the home of Bob and Debbie Young of Beverly, Massachusetts. However, after being locked up in the house for 31 years, Zeke the box turtle escaped when the family cat opened the door And Zeke got away, according to the Boston Globe. For over a month, Zeke was a prodigal turtle living on the run. When the young family realized what happened, because they really loved Zeke, they placed an ad in the local paper. They hung up flyers around town uh, with a full description of Zeke. They hired a search and rescue dog that, that was trained to track reptiles. They offered a cash reward for Zeke's safe return. But it was the neighbor's golden retriever who found Zeke. He had traveled a thousand feet from the back door, and he was hiding in the ivy. The neighbor told reporters he he was just sitting there in the lawn, just waiting to be found. It was easy pickings. The youngs called and couldn't believe it. They were thrilled. Jesus had an encounter like that, too. And uh, he found a man that wasn't in the grass, but he was in the tree. And he was lost, just waiting to be found. And it was kind of easy pickings for Jesus. And I want you to look at Luke chapter 19 as we meet Zach in verses 1 through 4. And here we see a portrait of a seeker. I want to encourage you to follow in your outline. A portrait of a seeker. And the context, uh, verse 1, Jesus entered Jericho and was passing through. Jesus and his disciples were on their way to Jerusalem. In one week, Jesus will be dead. But he's passing through Jericho, 17 miles from Jerusalem. Time is getting close. As he approached Jericho, Jesus encountered a blind man who wanted to meet Jesus. Luke 18.35. Jesus asked him, what do you want? He said, I want my sight. And Jesus gave him back his sight. Jesus continued toward Jerusalem. And now uh, he is in Jericho. And we meet uh, Zacchaeus in verse 2. A man there was by the name of Zacchaeus. He was a chief tax collector and was wealthy. Zacchaeus is a Jewish name and it means righteous one. And if you know something about Zacchaeus' background... Probably Zacchaeus is far from being a righteous one up to this point. We learn of his occupation and his wealth. He's a tax collector. And not only is he a tax collector, he is a chief tax collector. In ancient Israel, the nation was divided into three districts by the Romans to collect taxes. One was in Capernaum. That was Jesus' headquarters. And that's where we met Matthew. Remember that last week at the tax booth? And uh, one was in Caesarea, 
but one was in Jericho. And Zacchaeus is the chief tax collector. What does that mean? Well, it means that Zacchaeus didn't really have to collect taxes because he had lots of tax collectors to do the job for him. And Zacchaeus got a piece of every penny. And Zacchaeus was a wealthy man. Um, Jericho is one of those uh, old cities, one of the oldest cities of the ancient world, and it was strategically located on major trade routes in the ancient world. And that brought travelers from all over uh, the ancient world to Jericho. Not only that, Jericho was kind of a tourist trap. Um, It was an oasis. Uh, it 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 had palm trees and springs, and it was right on the edge of the desert. And it was a great place to live. And um, Mark Antony gave it to Cleopatra uh, as a gift when they were dating. But um, later it got taken back. Um, so this is uh, where Zacchaeus hangs out. This is where he's the chief tax collector. In verses 3 and 4, we, we see the curiosity of Zacchaeus. He wanted to see who Jesus was. But because he was short, he could not see over the crowd. Some people are blessed with shortness, and Zacchaeus was one of those people. So he ran ahead and he climbed a sycamore fig tree to see him, since Jesus was coming that way. There was something in Zacchaeus that had an interest and a curiosity to know more about Jesus. Zacchaeus likely had heard about the blind man. Probably everybody in town had heard about the blind man who had been healed as Jesus entered the outskirts of the city. The text doesn't tell us, but I wonder how much Zac already knew about Jesus. Had he heard about Jesus? Had he heard Jesus in person at some point? Is that possible? Just three years earlier, If you know the story, um, a man named John the Baptist was out in the wilderness preaching, and he had a message. Behold, the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent. And he called uh, Israel as a nation, the Jewish people, to humble themselves before the true and living God and repent and get their hearts ready because their king was coming. Messiah was coming. Did Zacchaeus go out? It was only about six miles away. Jericho is only six miles from the Jordan River. And John was out there at the Jordan calling people out of Jerusalem, out of Israel, to come out and to hear and to get their hearts ready. Was Zacchaeus among the crowd? Maybe. Um, the, The text doesn't tell us, but the text definitely says that Zacchaeus was curious in verses uh, 3 and 4. He wanted to see who Jesus was, but he was a short man. He was creative, too. He'd learned to overcome obstacles in his occupation, and uh, he climbed a sycamore tree. I wondered if there were really sycamore trees in Jericho, and there are sycamore fig trees, and there were sycamore fig trees planted, uh, likely uh, transported in, Uh, from the Egyptians, and a sycamore fig tree was a huge tree for Jericho 
on the edge of a desert and uh, 60 feet tall. And they, they had huge trunks and they, they, the branches came up uh, and spread quickly. So not difficult for a man like Zacchaeus to climb so he could find a spot and to see uh, Jesus. He was curious. He wanted to know more. Apparently, God had been working in Zacchaeus' heart. If Zacchaeus is a Jewish man, and I assume that he is, he has a lot of background. He knows uh, what the law of Israel says. He knows what the law of Israel thinks about his lifestyle and the friends that he hangs out with. And yet, um, there's something fresh about this Jesus, and he wants to know more. Augustine uh, of the 4th century, uh, there's a great quote. He wrote, he was a bishop, meaning the pastor of Hippo. Thou hast made us for thyself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they find their rest in thee. Right after I became a follower of Christ, I, I came across this quote, and I loved it. Uh, because I was, I was searching. When I was 25 years old, I was searching. I was trying to... Uh, find uh, significance and meaning and happiness and all kinds of things. And, um, and Augustine got it for me. Um, I was made for God. You were made for God. And our hearts are restless. They don't find peace until they find rest in God. There's another uh, quote from Blaise pa- Pascal that's, uh, I think it's an amazing one. He wrote, in the 17th century, there's a God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every man which cannot be filled by any created thing, but only by God the Creator, made known through Jesus. A God-shaped vacuum in the heart of every person. Everybody has a void in their lives, whether they know it or not. And it's one that can only be filled by Jesus. And, you know, we try to fill it with all kinds of things. We do it before we're Christians, and we even try it after we're Christians sometimes. We look, we look for um, significance in another person. We look for significance in a career. We look for significance in money and having stuff. We look sometimes for significance in drug or alcohol or sex or pornography, something to make our life better trying to fill the void. It's something only Jesus can fill. You know what? That, that's true whether people know it or not. This, this idea of a God shape. God has made a space in every human being's heart that only he can fill. So application here. People in your everyday world are seeking to fill the void in their lives that only Jesus can fill. You just, you just need to know that. We, we have a mission to help people connect with God and develop them into fully devoted followers of Christ. And sometimes we think, well, people don't want to hear. Um, and yet, a lot of people are really curious about eternal things and about life and death. And is there life after death? And does it really make any difference how I live my life? Does it matter? And people are really curious. Is there really a Jesus? And can I really know him? 
Verses 5 and 6, a pursuit for a seeker. Pursuit for a seeker. And we have personal engagement. Verse 5, Jesus pursues Zacchaeus. When Jesus reached the spot, he looked up and said to, said to him, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house today. Uh, Jesus noticed Zacchaeus in the crowd. I don't know how many people were there, but Zacchaeus had to climb a tree. This place was probably packed with people. And Jesus sees Zacchaeus, a real person with real needs in the crowd. He sees him face to face, and he engages Zacchaeus. He called him by name. I don't know how he knew it. Jesus was exposing some of his, uh, his characteristics as he got closer to the end, who he really was. And um, I suppose he just knew uh, as God, Zacchaeus's name. And you may, that may not happen to you, that you can just uh, walk into a room and know somebody's name you've never met before. But this is how it happened for Jesus and Zacchaeus. And so Jesus engaged him in conversation. Jesus then invited himself, uh, Zacchaeus, come down immediately. I must stay at your house. And so Jesus just invited himself over. Pretty bold. I probably wouldn't do that, but you know what? I could invite somebody to my house, but I probably wouldn't invite myself. This is a different era, different culture, a different time. Um, Jesus was a rabbi, and uh, he just invited himself over to Zach's house. And the personal response in verse 6, Zach says, uh, it says about Zach, so he came down at once and welcomed him gladly. Zacchaeus' heart was prepared for this. I don't think he has a clue where this is going, but his heart is ready to meet Jesus. And that happens a lot when people's hearts are ready to meet Jesus. You know, Zach could have, could have said, uh, you know, well, why do you want to stay at my house? Why don't you go stay with your friends? You know, leave me alone kind of thing. But he welcomed Jesus gladly. And um, application for us. Bridge building relationships begin when somebody takes the first step. That's so often all it takes is you initiating, you speaking kindly to somebody, you giving eye contact to somebody and smiling. You just becoming a friend. Somebody has to initiate in a relationship if you uh, want to advance the kingdom of God, if you want to join Jesus in building his church. Somebody needs to uh, take the first step. So start conversations with people that you're already friends with for the sake of the gospel. Um, God loves people. People matter to him. Start conversations with people that you don't know yet. But be God's representative. Be God's ambassador. Next, we see prejudice. Prejudice uh, toward a seeker in verse 7. Let's look at that. First comes the criticism. All the people saw this and began to mutter. This is kind of common in Jesus' ministry. Jesus hang out with uh, people that seem to be far from God, at least from the casual observer in the first century uh, in Israel. He hung out with people who were far from God. And the people began to mutter about Jesus. He's gone to be the guest of a sinner of all things. Can you imagine that? And of course, the great problem of uh, 
this religious crowd is they don't see that they're sinners too. And they think they're sort of above uh, a certain group of people in their culture, and they're better, and they have this pride, and their hearts are kind of darkened about reality. And they don't see that they too are sinners, and they too need a relationship with Jesus, and uh, they're critical people. They viewed the uh, people like Zacchaeus as scoundrels and traitors and cheaters. Remember uh, their view of tax collectors in the first century? Uh, the tax collectors made their money by collecting taxes for Rome. And Rome had a certain fee or for a certain percentage that they must charge. And the tax collector uh, took a commission on top of that. And they were free to collect whatever they could above what they owed Rome. And so wealthy tax collectors were able to charge uh, significantly more and, and for uh, a commission. And they were hated by the people. They were saw as traitors because they were working with the Romans and just plain uh, cheaters. You know what? Zacchaeus was really good at his job. And he had become uh, a very wealthy man. And, you know, there's a risk involved when you engage people like that. And notice that how the risk that Jesus took... Um, he had been criticized all through his ministry. Jesus, Jesus knew Zacchaeus was a tax collector, and um, he invited himself over. He wanted to be at Zacchaeus's house. He wanted to spend time. He wanted to talk with Zacchaeus. And uh, it's just a good reminder that you and I will also have to take risks if we want to engage with people, if we want to initiate conversations with people about our relationship with Jesus Christ. Application here, uh, sometimes religious people don't get it, like those people in the crowd in the first century who were Jewish religious people. Sometimes Christians sort of get into a Christian bubble, and all they want to do is hang out with Christian people and do Christian things, and uh, they, they, they separate themselves from people who are not yet followers of Christ. That's pretty dangerous for the church because the faith never gets passed on. Now, yes, you should be wise. You should be walking with Christ. But our role is to help people to connect with God. And we have to be in relationship with people, even if they have different values than us. Um, and some religious people just don't get this. And they didn't get it in Jesus' day. Uh, they, they somehow missed. They, these people were very interested in religion. They were very interested. They understood the law. They understood the traditions of the Pharisees. They were very interested in doing right things. But they somehow missed the heart of God. And that's dangerous. Because God cared about those people like Zacchaeus. In verses 8 and 9, we see a pardon for a seeker. And the situation. We don't know all the details. We don't know what happened. Apparently now Jesus has gone with Zacchaeus. And gone to Zacchaeus' home that day. And spent time with him. The scripture doesn't tell us. And it's wrong to assume that we only have this, or we only have this much information is true. But it's wrong to assume that nothing happened in between. That there is no time lag. When in a narrative passage like this, 
when the scripture reports, it reports a capsule summary of what happened. What we know happened is true. And here's what we, we know. We know something happens to Zacchaeus that changes his life and changes his heart totally. And my assumption is, is that Jesus went to Zacchaeus' house. Scripture doesn't tell us that. And he spent time, probably spent hours with Zacchaeus in building the relationship and getting to know Zacchaeus. Um, we don't know all that passed. We do know that after Zacchaeus met Jesus, his life was radically changed. And first we see a response of a grateful heart in verse 8. But Zacchaeus stood up and said to the Lord, Look, Lord, here and now I give half of my possessions to the poor. And if I have cheated anybody out of anything, I will pay back four times the amount. So this is kind of an unusual response. I have never heard anybody say that before. You know, I've talked to people about the gospel, and nobody has ever responded in this way uh, after sharing uh, my faith about who Jesus is and what Jesus has done. I've never seen anybody respond like that. But Zacchaeus, who trafficked in money and knew a lot about money, and money was very important to his heart, and he also, I think, had a good understanding of the Old Testament scriptures. He had some understanding of what God expected in relationships and handling of money. I also think he understood something about what God expected about giving. And I sort of take it he'd never been involved in giving before. But Zacchaeus is a changed man. Uh, he's responding to what Jesus has done for him and the conversation that he had. Um, and again, the text doesn't show us all that transpired, but Zacchaeus received and welcomed Jesus' words by faith. He responds with what he has. Zacchaeus has resources. Money's not the problem for Zacchaeus. And he wants to respond back to Jesus. And um, he has decided that here, here and now I give half of my possessions. That's just a heart response. It doesn't take long for Zacchaeus to say that. And I have no reason to think that Jesus even suggested it to him. That he responds to the gift of eternal life that he's received from Jesus with the desire to give half of his possessions. And then he says, if I've cheated anybody, and he knows that he has, I will pay back four times the amount. In the Old Testament... If you cheated somebody, you were supposed to give them back all that you had taken and 20%. Or, in serious cases, if you had cheated and stolen from somebody, in serious cases, you were to give what you owed them plus 50%. And Zacchaeus said, if I have cheated anybody, I will give them four times so this is way above and beyond the law of the Old Testament. This is just a heart response of one man. And um, we have no reason to think that anybody had asked or said that he should do this. In verse 9, the pardon is announced. Jesus said to him, Today salvation has come to this house because this man too is a son of Abraham. 
Jesus announced a, a change in Zacchaeus' heart. He has received forgiveness. Uh, he has drunk the water of eternal life. The old is gone, the new has come. The, Jesus said, this man too is a son of Abraham. Never uh, does Scripture teach that the way anyone gets salvation is by giving their money. Never. And um, what Jesus is talking about is seeing the fruit of this man's faith, seeing the fruit of his salvation. And Jesus announced publicly what's happened privately. Salvation has come to this house. Zacchaeus is forgiven. He has eternal life. He is a new person. And Jesus said, this man too is the son of Abraham. When you think about this, Zacchaeus, the righteous one, who was far from God, a Jewish man in the nation of Israel, in one of the oldest cities of Israel, now a tax collector. He probably has some relatives that wouldn't have enjoyed him growing up to be a tax collector or a chief tax collector. Um, He was a son of Abraham physically, meaning a descendant of Abraham, meaning he was a Jewish man. He was physically. but, But Jesus is saying he is truly a son of Abraham, meaning he is now... Um, a descendant, a son of Abraham, spiritually. He's, a, he's a, uh, connected to Abraham now by faith. He belongs to the people of God by faith. And this man is a son of Abraham. Uh, an application for us here. When Jesus is Lord, he's also Lord of your checkbook. What do you think of that? Now, here's the deal. Zacchaeus got it really quick. Some of us, it takes a long time to figure out. When Jesus is Lord, he's the Lord of our finances as well as every other part of our life. But somehow we just leave Jesus a little part of our finances. Yes, we say he's Lord, but we just give him a little part. And um, Zacchaeus understood generosity very quickly. Some of you understand generosity very quickly. Some of you, this is an area you need to grow in. Um, okay, number five, verse 10. Here we go, last verse. Purpose-driven ministry for a seeker. Purpose-driven ministry. First, we have Jesus' role in verse 10. Jesus said, For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. This was Jesus' reason, reason for stopping and going to Zacchaeus' house on his way to Jerusalem. Um, Jesus is headed there to die. You know, the whole time Jesus could have been focused. When he, when he came into Jerusalem, he could have been looking down. And he could have ignored Zacchaeus. But he took the time to engage with Zacchaeus. And he took some time out to go to his home. Because he came to seek and to save the lost. Those people who are far from God. He uses the term son of man. A term that Jesus used most often of himself. The son of man came. Jesus came to seek and to save the loss. If you study the book of Luke carefully, you will find that the key verse to the entire book is this verse. The Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. That's what the whole book is about. It's the mission of Jesus. He came to do his Father's will, and this was it, to seek and to save the lost. In a week, he'll go to the cross. 
and he will lay down his life and he will become the Lamb of God and, and pay the sin penalty of the world to seek and to save the lost. So what about you? How is your life aligned with Jesus to seek and to save the lost? What energy, what resources do you put towards seeking and saving the lost? We have a role in uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. And this is our role. There's a lot of ways to say it. There's a lot of a lot of passages that reinforce this, but here's what the Apostle Paul says. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if you are a follower of Christ, that means you, it means me. If anyone is in Christ, then the, the new creation has come. I'm a new person. I'm, I've been born again. I'm a child of God. I'm a citizen of heaven. My sins are forgiven. I'm not the same person that I was. The old is gone. The new is here. All of this is from God. That's a gift from God. It's our salvation. God, who reconciled us to himself through Christ. I used to be an enemy of God, but when I put my faith in Christ, I was reconciled by God to him. And now there's peace with God because of Jesus. And gave us the ministry of reconciliation. That's our job. You and I have a ministry of reconciliation to our world. That's something we share. It's it's not just for the pastor, you know. It's... For his church. It's for God's people. It's the body of Christ. And he gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Next slide. That God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. So we are stewards. We are caretakers of the message of reconciliation. It is our job to pass the message to the next generation. That's one of the reasons the Bridge Church was planted in Eau Claire is to pass this message to the next generation. What message? That Jesus died according to the Scriptures. That he was buried and that he was raised again on the third day according to the Scriptures. And that any person, by placing their faith in Jesus Christ, can be reconciled to God and have eternal life and have their sins forgiven. Um, we are therefore next uh, section here verse 20 we are therefore Christ's ambassadors as though God were making his appeal through us we implore you on Christ's behalf be reconciled to God what's our role? we are Christ's ambassadors I think it's a pretty cool concept we are an ambassador for the king for the king of kings and lord of lords we are an ambassador that's a high calling you know you're not nothing. You have an extremely important role as an ambassador, as in a representative, and as one who goes before a great king to announce that he's coming. Do you know he's coming? And our job as an ambassador is to prepare people that he's coming and to help them understand what peace terms are about. But the amazing thing is to announce peace terms, it's not about being heavy-handed or um, prideful or domineering in any way, but it's about humility and being gentle and telling people about who Jesus is and what he's done for them as Christ's ambassadors. So application for us, 
My role as a follower of Christ is to do what Jesus did to seek and to save what was lost. So my question is, what can you do to engage with people who are not yet followers of Christ? And some of you, that's on your mind and you're developing relationships. Are you praying for people in your world that need to know Jesus? Could you make a list of people to pray for that you would like to have a, that, to have a relationship with Jesus Christ? Make a prayer list and pray for people. And pray that God would give them an interest in spiritual things. And pray for opportunities to talk about Jesus when it's appropriate. You never have to force the gospel down anyone's throat. God opens people's hearts. Um, start simple conversations with people to get to know them. It's, take, it's taking that first step. Initiate. Invite people into your home. Let people know who you are. And share the story of how um, you began a relationship with Jesus Christ. It's just your story. doesn't mean you have to have an answer to every problem or every question in the universe. All you can do is say what you know. And that's easy to do. So, we have a responsibility is to seek and to save the lost. Jesus was our model, and he has equipped us and empowered us to be the church. Let's do it. Let's stand and pray. Father, I want to thank you for the story of Zacchaeus. It's a simple one. And many of us uh, learned the story as a child and sang a song that goes with it. And yet there are some profound principles in it about how you connect with people and your desire to connect with people who don't know you. And we're reminded that there are people who are curious and they do want to know Jesus Christ. And God, help us not to be self-focused and self-centered with our lives or to be stingy. May our hearts be generous. Um, May you grow a love in our hearts for people. And renew a love in our hearts for people so that we can love people the way you love people and they can experience your love through us. And God, it's my prayer that um, you'll give us as individuals opportunities to speak with people and to initiate spiritual conversations, conversations that one day might lead somebody to faith in Jesus Christ. Help us to be faithful people. Help us to honor Jesus with our lives. Amen.